Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey there, everybody. Welcome in. The year from hell continues both on the court and around the world, of course. (laughs) Thanks for listening. As always, hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing as well as possible. Jonas Nordman here on the Believe and Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network. Number one podcast number for professionals. They believe in each other and in unity and all that. (laughs) I want to start off by apologizing, actually, on today's episode. Uh, Here's what we got on the docket. I'm going to, of course, briefly touch on the game the other day against Texas. I'm going to talk about why you shouldn't bother with Dave McCormack and blaming him and all that, and really the true issue inside for KU basketball. Uh, A quick awards update as it is that time of the year, and then a, a brief preview for the game this weekend against Baylor. You know, little preview of that preview. Kansas is not going to be favored, right? Although Baylor's rusty, and we saw what happened against Iowa State the other day. And if you didn't see that, I'll fill you in. Anyways, hit me up on social media. Let me know your thoughts. Um, again, I want to apologize for last week. I was not able to get an episode off because of technical difficulties, but here we are. And I didn't post anything about it because, hey, you know what? No one really interacts as it is, and so no big deal. Here we are. So I want to start off as we are actually heading towards the end of the season, mercifully. And that with that comes award season and all this and all that. And I don't imagine there will be a lot of awards coming towards this Kansas basketball program, or at least this year. Uh, maybe David McCormack might get first team all Big 12. I actually think he's got a pretty good chance. Uh, But just announced today, Marcus Garrett was announced as a semifinalist for, once again, the Naismith Men's Defensive Player of the Year. That's the award he won last year. Once again, a semifinalist. Uh, This morning, as I saw the news, I totally forgot that college basketball lists and awards and all that, uh, they tend to go with like 20 nominees until the, the final winner. So when I saw semifinalists, I thought, oh, he's down to maybe the final three, the final five, really has a good chance to win this. No, that's not the case. For the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year semifinalists, there's still 10 different players. So while Marcus is there, he's getting recognized for another great year of defense. I don't imagine he's going to win this one, or at least this year. Um, if I had my druthers, if I had my pick, I would imagine that either Davion Mitchell or Mark Vidal of Baylor are going to win. Baylor's been the best defensive team in the nation, arguably the best team, you know, when they're actually on the court. So uh, I would think one of the two top defensive players on the best defensive team in the nation is probably going to win that award. Uh, Actually, I was really surprised to see Evan Mobley I know no one listening to this cares about that name much, although the fact he will be probably drafted in the top three 
in the upcoming draft, but Evan Mobley has been fantastic for USC this year. I'm really impressed that he's on there defensively. Kihei Clark for Virginia. We know about their defensive prowess. So it's going to be tough for Marcus Garrett, but I think that shows that for all the hemming and hawing about Marcus Garrett's season this year, he's actually playing his role perfectly. So anyone that has a problem with Marcus Garrett's year, I think has to take a check and, and realize what are my expectations for the guy? Because he's still a semifinalist for the defensive player of the year. He was expected to be the best defensive player on the team. He's clearly still doing that. What did you expect from Marcus Garrett that isn't living up to him? If you wanted him to be the go-to scorer and a guy who's going to get you 20 a night, it's not him. He's a really good role player who's being forced perhaps a, a, a square peg in a round hole. I believe that's the right, right way to put it on this year's roster. It is what it is. But congratulations to Marcus Garrett for being nominated or still being a semifinalist for Naismith Men's Defensive Player of the Year. Moving on to the game this past Tuesday, Kansas against Texas. KU went into halftime. Wow, wouldn't you know it? With an 11-point lead. They end up losing it overtime by three. Now, any other year, right, would say no big deal. Go on the road against a really solid team, a team that's actually ranked ahead of you. You go into overtime. You lose a close one. It is what it is. Granted, when you've lost now six conference games and you're 17-8 and eight overall, these sting a bit more. It's only going to continue the, the, the way this year's gone with people feeling the way that they do about this year's group. So a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, some things that stood out to me. I saw a lot of blame for David McCormack online. He fouled out. You know, you could say that Jericho Sims kind of had his way with him, although Jericho Sims did have foul trouble of his own. Sims, by the way, only six points, three of five shooting. David McCormack, while being mostly invisible and having foul trouble, Still managed 12 points on 5 of 9 shooting. 24 minutes. Solid. My issue continues with this team, with the guard play. Jalen Wilson, you see the number that he scored 16 points. Wildly inefficient. 4 of 12. 1 of 5 from 3-point range. And, of course, fumbling the basketball out and overtime down by 2 with an open layup. Like someone had buttered up that basketball and slipped out of his hands right up to 6th Street there in Austin. So really tough game again for Jalen Wilson. Christian Brown, 10 points, 4-7 shooting. Didn't really seem like he took that many shots, and the hustle was there, but, again, the impact just wasn't felt, and Oche Abaji carried the team in the first half. To me, felt like he was invisible in the second half, 17 points. You can point to Marcus Garrett's 2-12 of 12 shooting and 4 points, but, again, I don't really worry about his offensive numbers. More times than not, he's shooting because it's an end-of-shot-clock situation or it's because it's been designed that way. My biggest issue, and I've sort of been harping on the same things all year, right? I want to keep going back to the three themes and the three things I was worried about heading into this season. Home court advantage, but the lack of fans hasn't been a huge deal. Kansas only lost one game out Allen Fieldhouse. It was to these Texas Longhorns in a really decisive manner. Although, you no, know, maybe with a the crowd there, KU goes on a little run, makes a push. Game doesn't get out of hand. That was actually a closer game before Texas ran away and hid. There was moments where Kansas was actually in that ball game. Maybe there's been some closer games at the field house that could have been 
eight to 10 point victories instead with a crowd there. But by and large, not a huge issue, right? It may be this Saturday with Baylor coming to town. We'll get to that. Secondly, scoring. I think that's definitely proven itself and bared itself out. KU at times has had a really tough time scoring the basketball. Every single game, every single every single preview column says Kansas has a tough time getting easy baskets. And for the first time, actually, really all year, we saw some fast breaks. We saw some open dunks. Granted, then the, there were other times they got open baskets, really easy baskets. And David McCormack, instead of jamming it home, threw it off the back of the rim. And what do you know? KU loses by three when they could have had two points in the bank there. And who knows how the rest of the game would have gone. And I said big man play. Sylvia DeSosa went out, and I've been saying this since before the first ball was tipped against Gonzaga on Thanksgiving. Ever since DeSosa went out, I said, what's going to happen if McCormack's inefficient and if Mitch Lightfoot's improvement is not all that it was sort of hyped up to be? He took the red, not the medical red shirt. He took the red shirt year. He expects some improvement. What's going to happen if these things don't bear themselves out without DeSosa? First half of the year, McCormack was wildly ineffective, and it was tough. He's since maybe turned himself, and according to Chris Beard of Texas Tech, the head coach of Texas Tech, who I have a lot of admiration for, I think he's really in the top tier, you know, second best coach in the Big 12, certainly top five. You know, you say you're top five in the Big 12, and well, there's only 10 teams in the league, so you get the idea. I think he's an excellent coach. He said that Dave McCormack has been the best big man in the Big 12 this year. And ever since that last Texas game where they blew out KU at the Fieldhouse when he was barely even seen, not on the court, he's put together a really strong run essentially since, since early January. Didn't happen on Tuesday. Oh, well. Foul trouble. And, and I think if he doesn't get in that foul trouble, I think he gets in a groove. Makes a bigger difference. Who knows how that game goes? I think the bigger issue has been Mitch Lightfoot. All year I have said, Bill Self needs to take some grief for this season. He's not adjusting. He's not really recognizing what this team's strong suit is, which has been playing small, or at least when David McCormack's out there, that's fine. But his insistence, and I'm not trying, I'm not going to, I really don't want this to sound like I'm ripping on Mitch Lightfoot. Because, again, he's a college kid. But if you're going to play collegiate basketball, if you're going to play for a program like Kansas, if you're going to play on national TV, I think it's fair that people can criticize a performance. So Mitch Lightfoot, as the backup big man, is essentially a net negative for KU. His numbers on the year. And... Hold on with your, he's an energy guy. Numbers aren't important. But 3.2 points per game on 49% shooting. Okay, this is where you can come and say the numbers are not important. It's about his energy. It's about his effort. It's about what he brings to the team. Well, I've been taking note essentially all year long. Every time he comes into the game, Kansas essentially either loses whatever lead they have 
or gets cut into, or the deficit just grows. And when I saw that number, 49% shooting, I blanched. It's like, what the? Remember, he does, he's taken what, two threes all year long? So for the most part, he's shooting less than half, he's making a basket less than half the time on shots that are, what, maybe three feet away from the basket? He's gotten several dunks blocked. And on defense, instead of being a rim protector, yes, he'll get his blocks. It's fun. We all love a good block. He's more interested in taking a charge than he is maybe sticking to a man or going after the basketball. Oh, and did you notice the minute that Bill Self took Lightfoot out in the first half and went small, Kansas had more energy. The ball moved. They were more active defensively. They got out in transition. Bryce Thompson had two dunks that looked identical. And they opened up a double-digit lead. And because of that, you will notice Bill Self finally, what was the date? February 23rd, finally in the second half, as Dave McCormack was still dealing with foul trouble, he decided to play small in the second half instead of inserting Mitch Lightfoot, who did not play in the second half of Tuesday's ballgame. Yes, KU ended up blowing the lead and losing. But they wouldn't even even have that lead. Well, I think you get the point. So home court advantage has not been a huge deal. Scoring has been a massive issue. And big man play. Gene. Some people are surprised about how the year's gone. Some people can see the tea leaves or can read the tea leaves. So tough afternoon or tough evening, I should say. Doesn't really impact anything. Again, Kansas isn't going to win the Big 12. Texas didn't really prove anything to me. I still think they're a wildly flawed team that people get ooed and awed by their athleticism. I mean, look. Texas made one three in the first half, and they averaged that out. Finally made a few in the second half. There was a difference. Oh, you know what else was the difference? Talk about attention to detail. So Texas took 10 more free throws than Kansas. It is what it is. They're a more physical, more athletic team, able to get into the paint a bit more. But at least they made 77% of them. Kansas went 12 of 21 on their free throws, including an awful missed front end of a one-on-one by Dave McCormack late on. It was bad. The free throws were abysmal, and they seemed to all come at really bad times. A chance to tie, a chance to cut into the lead, maybe to extend the lead, keep it a double-digit or a two-possession game, I should say. 12 of 21, and I thought this was a good free-throw shooting team, and they had been, but it all fell apart the other day. So Kansas falls to 17-8 and eight overall, 11-6 and six in conference. Let me know what your thoughts are on this team, on my thoughts about Mitch Lightfoot, on the team overall, on the performance. I'm really not too worked up over the game at Texas. It hurts that they blew, but was it a 14-point lead? You know, I feel better about the team after that win against Texas Tech and the fact that they went toe-to-toe with a solid basketball team in Texas. 
Oh, but look what's on the horizon, right? <laughs> Here come the undefeated, although a bit of a tenuous footing right now for the Baylor Bears. But the number two team in the nation will be visiting Allen Fieldhouse this weekend. So quick note about Baylor. You're saying, oh, they're still undefeated? Wow, they're really good. They're really, they're really dominant. Yes, they are. Or at least they were when they were still playing at a regular schedule. Up until Tuesday, they also played Tuesday. They had not played a basketball game since February 2nd. One part virus-related, another part weather-related down there in Texas. Probably heard about that. Hope everyone's doing well down in the Lone Star State. They had five games postponed. Finally played a game against Iowa State, who's terrible. And only won by five. And in fact, Baylor was down by double digits at one point to the Cyclones. And on top of that, wouldn't you know it? Baylor was supposed to play again tonight against West Virginia. That game got flat out canceled. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how they're going to make up these games. But Baylor's 18-0. Really good. But for context, Kansas is 17 and 8. <laughs> Baylor has missed out on essentially on an entire month of basketball. The Big 12 will figure out a way. I don't know if they're going to play games next week, but they will be given the Big 12 crown, I would imagine. But it's a bit tainted. Now, I, I also bring up all the delays and all the scheduling snafus because it does look like Baylor's going to play some games next week. And because of there's been lots of scheduling issues, who could have seen that coming this year in the Big 12? Kansas, this is about to be their, their final home game. In fact, it's their final regular season game, I should say. Or it was until I just pulled up the schedule and saw, yes, they did indeed schedule a game for March 4th, which is really good because Kansas, as you may know, has a really long streak of victories on senior night. And let's just say this game against Baylor coming up was going to put that in a bit of a precipitous spot. But instead, they've scheduled a game against UTEP, the Miners. So that'll be nice. The Baylor game will not be the final home game. It will not be the final regular season game of the season. So, yeah, Kansas is stepping outside of Big 12 play. And they will get an extra game in while the rest of their conference is scrambling and trying to figure things out. Now, about the game against Baylor, I'm not going to sit here and predict a victory for Kansas. That'd be asinine of me. But Baylor was clearly rusty. They struggled with a really bad Iowa State team. Maybe the ghosts of Allen Fieldhouse, maybe a little home cooking will help out. But certainly the conference is going to want Baylor to win at all costs. Like they, they want that undefeated team. They want 
the national flagpole. They want the team to be ranked second. They want Baylor to reach the national championship game. But it might be interesting. Quickly, I want to give a shout-out to Bryce Thompson. Every time he's ever played this year, he seems like he's a spark plug, and he's really been a difference maker. We saw that on Tuesday. I think if he continues to get healthy, who knows what's, what that's going to mean for the next month coming up because he clearly provides just a different level of quality, right? He's clearly, I, I think arguably, I, th- I would say clearly, you can say arguably, the most talented player on the team. And I hear your retort already. I thought you said this is a team that wasn't lacking talent. I said that with the knowledge that Bryce Thompson, the five-star player, is on this roster. So keep an eye on Bryce Thompson and the way he plays and the way he improves. And with his injury issues, might be a good chance he comes back next year, which adds a little bit more dynamism for a team that, well, we'll get to it after the season. But the way Dave McCormack has played down the stretch, combine that with a young, exciting jitterbug in Bryce Thompson, could have the building blocks for something solid. But there's a time and place for that. The offseason is really bearing down on us pretty quickly. Big 12 play is about to wrap up. The regular season is about to wrap up. Championship week is almost upon us, which means it's almost madness time. Should be crazy. Should be fun. Can't wait to share it all for you here on the airwaves. This is Jonas Norman on the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Thank you for listening. Take care. It looks like it's warming up around the country. So, you know, get out there safely and go for a walk. Maybe have a picnic. I don't know. Let me know what you're doing. I will let you get on with your day. Hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Saturday. Don't expect too much, but hope for the best. But otherwise, rock chuck. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.